Welcome to Goop Tales, episode 67 for Geta and the Sea of Red Lotus. I'm Maria Calanchini, and I'm the author of Goop Tales. And today we are going to take a trip to Thailand, a place that I went many, many years ago. A beautiful country with beautiful beaches and clear blue waters. And there is a place there that is called the Sea of Red Lotus. And it's actually not a sea, it's a lake, but it's so big, it looks like a sea. And during a certain time of year, it's covered with red lotuses. So it's like you look at this lake and it's just completely covered with these incredible flowers, these lotuses. And they actually look fuchsia, like a deep fuchsia pink color, not so much red, but the name of it is Sea of Red Lotus. And people from all over the world travel just to go see this Sea of Red Lotus. You have to go there um, early in the morning from what I've read before it gets too hot because then the lotuses start to close up. So I saw pictures of this and it's so beautiful. And I said, why not write a goop tale there? So that is where we're going to go today. And I want to thank Dexter Heffington for the name of Forgetta. Dexter, thank you so much. You wrote me in this name and now it is a goop tale. I also want to thank a couple more of you. Number one for listening. I love my listeners so much. I love all of you. And I really love it when you write reviews. And so many of you have done that lately um, on iTunes. And I just really, really appreciate it. I read them every day. So there's a couple that came in this week um, that were just so sweet. And I just want to read a couple of them because you asked me if I would. So first, I want to read one that's titled Love It So Much by Piperd W. My name is Piper. I'm eight years old. I love heart, 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 heart. Your stories so much. Please read this on your next story. There you go, Piper. Bragger is a goop who always brags. He carries a little plastic toy finger on a stick to stop other goops from talking so he can brag. I love that idea, Piper. That is so clever. It's so original. That's pretty funny, Bragger. I like that idea. I'm going to add that to my list. Let's see. I have two more I wanted to read. Then I have one from Sledge1127. Hi, Maria. My name is Brielle, and I love you and the Goop Tales stories that you write. I love you too, Brielle. They are always so much fun to listen to. Me and my brother listen to them when we're going to bed. My brother is named Jordan and he is 13 and I am nine. Please keep making your goop tail stories and never stop. Love, Brielle. Oh, thank you, Brielle. I love this. What a sweet, sweet review. And I love that you're 13 and nine and listening to these and I hope they inspire your imagination. I have one more that was just so sweet I can't resist. And this is from Stella. And she said, hey, I'm Stella. I love your podcast. I cannot go to sleep without this. You are my idol. I want to do this because you make kids happy. Can this be in the next one? Well, there you go, Stella. It is in the next one. And thank you so much. What a sweet review. And I'm glad that I make you happy. That makes me happy to make you happy. So here we are at episode 67, and we're about to go on a little trip to Thailand. 
or a big trip for Forgetta. So don't forget, you can get the coloring books at the website, the downloadable coloring books. You can get a Gooptail t-shirt at shop.gooptails.com. You can get your favorite goop on a t-shirt. And you can always leave me a review or write to me, maria at gooptails.com, or leave a review on iTunes because I read them all. Okay, I think that's it. Let's go on a trip to Thailand and I will see you on the other side. Forgetta, she was such a delight. Her laugh alone could light up the night. She was so cute and sweet as a flower. Her huge smile had great power. But at times, you couldn't count on her. She would forget everything and her mind would blur. Chapter 1 Once upon a time, there was a very whimsical little goop girl named Forgetta. Forgetta had an enormous smile, and she used it generously. (laughs) She smiled at her parents, and they would forget all about how naughty she had been. She smiled at Miss Wigglebutt, who would momentarily melt until she would suddenly snap out of it and say, Forgetta, that won't work this time. You still have to turn in your homework. She would smile at all of the other goops, and they would want to be her friend instantly. Between Forgetta's laugh and smile, she had loads of friends. If the day were gray and lonely, Forgetta could turn the whole thing upside down. Come on, everybody. Let's go outside and taste raindrops. We will give each raindrop a different flavor. Uh, let's start with chocolate chip cookie dough. Then we'll move on to watermelon, and we'll finish up with Rocky Road ice cream. Who could resist such an invitation? So the goops would follow her outside, and they would all start tasting raindrops. And to their surprise, the raindrops actually tasted exactly as Forgetta described. The only time the other goops found themselves a bit miffed with Forgetta was when her mind turned blurry and she forgot things. This was known to happen fairly often. Forgetta carried around a ball of string with her all the time. Whenever she needed to remember anything, she would take off a little piece of string and tie it around her finger, hoping to use it to remember, although it didn't seem to work very well. One very chilly evening in early spring, Forgetta looked at a piece of string on her finger. She couldn't remember why she had put it there. She thought and thought, and nothing came to mind. So she decided to visit Pusham and see if he knew why she had tied this string on her finger. Even if he didn't know why, she did know that she had a very good time with Pusham, regardless of what was happening. She set out for Pusham's house, And when she arrived, she pushed open his front door, ran up the stairs, and pushed open his bedroom door. He immediately started laughing. (laughs) He loved that Forgetta wasn't afraid to push, just like him. What? What are you doing here? He laughed. (laughs) Well, I have this fuchsia piece of string on my finger, and I can't remember why. I thought maybe you would know. 
Pushum looked at the fuchsia string on her finger and started to think. Hmm, well, I'm not sure, but there's something about that piece of string. It looks very unusual, he said as he stared at it. Forgetta held up her finger and stared at it too. The fuchsia string just sat there, perfectly still. What was it she wanted to remember? Wondered Forgetta. Does this ever work for you? Tying string on your finger? Asked Pushum, as he looked at the ball of string that Forgetta carried around. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember. She laughed. <laughs> Let's test it out. I'm going to tell you something, and then I'll tie a piece of string to your finger. And you have to tell me why it is there a few minutes later, he said. Oh, yes, let's do that. I have never tested this before, she squealed with delight. Pushum cut off a tiny piece of string. Okay, I will tie this around your pinky finger to remind you that Miss Wigglebutt gives way too much homework, he said. Forget a laugh and nodded in agreement. <laughs> After he did that, they waited a few minutes and then Pushum asked her why she had the string around her finger. Forgetta started to think about it. She drew a blank. Pushum then reached up and started to untie the string. And as he did, she blurted out, Oh, 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 wait, yes. It is to remind me that Miss Wigglebutt assigns too much homework. That's it. That's right. Maybe you just need someone to start untying the string. And then you remember exclaimed Pushum with delight. Yes, that could be it, said Forgetta. Then they both stared down at the fuchsia string on her finger. It seemed to be glowing. May I? asked Pushum, as he excitedly reached for the string to untie it. Yes, yes you may, exclaimed Forgetta. Pushum reached down and pulled gently at the fuchsia string. Nothing happened. Then he pulled a little bit harder, and the string came undone. And just like that, Forgetta disappeared right in front of his eyes. Chapter 2 Everything felt hot and blurry to Forgetta. Her eyes were open, but nothing was clear. The shapes and colors she saw were blurry and distorted. Forgetta closed her eyes tight and shook her head. When she opened them, everything was still blurry. She could make out the shapes of green mountains in the far-off distance, but they were covered by a misty fog. Forgetta squinted her eyes trying to focus on the mountains, but nothing changed. There was too much white mist. A cool breeze blew against her back, ushering her towards the mountains. So she went. The sky above her was bright and blue and crisp, and the sun was just rising. Forgetta felt unusually peaceful. She liked this feeling, so she walked along in silence. As time passed, the white mist began to melt away, first revealing the mountains and then layers upon layers of what looked like giant green curved steps carved into the mountainside. Forgetta had never seen anything like it. This is magical, 
she murmured to herself. Then she began to walk faster, desperate to see the steps up close. As Forgetta approached the bottom step, she saw it was covered in thousands of green shoots with draping yellow tops. She reached out and felt one of the draping yellow tops. It was hard and bumpy. Touching rice kernels, you've done it now, said a very commanding voice. Forgetta whipped her head around and found herself face to face with an absolutely glorious egret. He was tall, white, and majestic, and he moved with a jerky grace. Forgetta smiled her biggest smile (laughs) and shined it right on the egret and said, Done what, you marvelous bird? The egret was a bit surprised at her boldness, but he tried not to show it. That's panit to you. You've touched rice kernels on the first layer of the rice fields in Udon Thani province. Oh, these are rice kernels? I was wondering what they were, exclaimed Forgetta with delight. They are. This is a rice paddy field. In fact, it is part of a rice paddy terrace, said Panit, as he motioned to all the layers of rice above them. It's glorious, like a fantasy. I love it, said Forgetta. Indeed, it is, responded Panit. Then he looked down at Forgetta and her ball of string, and he thought. She just looked back at him, smiling. I must tell you something. I wasn't going to tell you, but your smile has melted me. Forgetta smiled up at Panit again, fully expecting him to tell her something wonderful. But alas, that was not the case. Panit explained to her that they were in Northern Thailand on the first layer of the rice terrace. Forgetta had touched the rice kernels, which weren't ready for harvest yet, and they would soon turn black. First one rice kernel would turn black, and then another, and then another. And within a short time, the first terrace would be ruined. If the first terrace turned entirely black, it was only a matter of hours before the rest of the terraces were destroyed. The local villagers relied on the rice harvest to earn a living and to eat. When the villagers discovered the black rice, They would search high and low for the culprit who ruined their harvest. And when they found her, they would put a curse on her. A curse that would condemn Forgetta to work in the rice fields for a hundred years with no escape. Panit told Forgetta that she needed to stop the first terrace from turning black before noon the following day in order to escape the curse of the villagers. If you don't, you will be condemned to working in the rice fields for a hundred years, he said. Forgetta looked at a stalk of rice kernels that had already turned black, and fear raced through her. How? How do I stop it? She pleaded. I will do anything. Panit looked at her thoughtfully. He knew how earnest she was, so he decided to help her in any way he could. I don't know if this will work, but it is the only thing that I can think of, he said. Then Panit told her about an old legend that it had been passed down for generations. A legend that said you could cure almost anything with the slime from a blue frog 
found in the Sea of Red Lotus. Forgetta listened intently as he spoke and her head started to spin. Listen carefully and don't forget a word he says, she thought to herself as she clenched her ball of string tightly. She glanced over at the rice stalk she had touched. It had turned completely black. Chapter 3 Panit followed Forgetta's gaze and watched her as she watched the blackened rice stalk in horror. Then he told Forgetta what she must do to find a blue frog in the Sea of the Red Lotus. First, you must travel north to the Sea of the Red Lotus. It is only called the sea, but it is in fact a lake a lake that blossoms with red lotuses, but they look more the color of fuchsia. You must arrive early in the morning when it is still cool. The lotus blooms will close up as the sun comes out. There will be thousands of lotus blooms covering the lake with thousands of lily pads surrounding them. It will be dreamlike, but you must remember to keep your wits about you for you won't have very long. There are two kinds of frogs in this lake. The first kind is your standard lake frog, green. The second kind is a very rare blue frog. The blue frog will be covered with slime right before the sun rises. You must find a blue frog, and when you do, run your hand down its back and cover it with slime. Once your hand is covered with slime, don't touch anything else. Then travel back here to this rice terrace, and if there is still a corn-colored stalk left on the first terrace, you must cover it in the slime of the blue frog. This is what I have been told, but I have never heard of anyone who has done this. I don't know if it will work, said Panit gravely. Forgetta's mind started to spin. This was so much to remember. She tugged off a piece of string and tied it around her finger. Then she pulled another piece and did the same thing. Then she pulled another piece. Panit watched her, slightly bemused and befuddled. Whatever are you doing? He asked. Forgetta explained that she was tying string around her fingers to remind herself of everything that Panit had just said, because she easily forgot things. I see, said Panit, nodding. Then he added, Don't forget, you can't touch anything once the slime is on your hand. Panit pointed out that it was getting late and that Forgetta must start on her journey to the Sea of Red Lotus. He offered to fly her to the marsh where his cousin Ponto lived. She could wait with Ponto until the moon was high in the sky and would light her way to the Sea of Red Lotus. Panit leaned down with his long, elegant neck and picked up Forgetta, and off they flew to Ponto's marsh. At Ponto's, Panit rested Forgetta on some tall reeds 
and told her that he would go back to watch over the blackened rice stalk and make sure that no one else touched it until Forgetta returned. Forgetta turned and beamed her giant smile at Ponto, and he beamed right back. They were instant friends. He told her he would do whatever he could to help her, and Forgetta asked him to repeat the legend that Panit had told her so that she could try and commit the details to memory. Ponto repeated each step in the legend three times, at which point the moon was hanging high and shining bright. He pointed towards it and sent Forgetta on her way. She played a memory game with herself as she walked along by the light of the moon. She repeated each step mentally. One, find the sea of red lotus. Two, remember, it will be dreamlike, but keep your wits about you. Three, find a rare blue frog not your standard green lake frog. Four, find the blue frog before sunrise. Five, get slime from the blue frog. Six, head back south to the rice terraces. Seven, make sure and stop and say hello to Ponto along the way. Eight, don't touch anything with the slime hand. Nine, find the rice terrace and rub the frog slime all over a corn-colored rice stalk on the first terrace, if any are left. Forgetta repeated these steps to herself over and over, and each time they seemed just a little bit different, but she just kept on repeating them. Before dawn, Forgetta found herself standing at the edge of the Sea of Red Lotus. It was a stunning sight to behold. It did look like a sea, because there was no end to be seen. On and on it went, a beautiful body of water completely covered in bright fuchsia lotuses. They popped up and out of the water and looked as if they were floating. It was magical and dreamlike and Forgetta instantly felt as if she were in some sort of fantasy world. She wanted to jump on a lily pad and sail across the sea of lotuses but then she looked down at her fingers covered in string knots and she snapped out of her reverie. The sun hadn't quite risen, but the sky was turning brighter. Forgetta stared at her fingers again. I know I'm supposed to do something before the sun rises, she murmured to herself. And just then she saw a movement in the water. She looked up to see a little green frog hop onto a lily pad. Oh, yes, that's it. I have to get some slime off that frog, she said as she hopped onto the lily pad with the green frog. Chapter four. Forgetta landed on the lily pad with a splash and the green frog hopped over to the next lily pad and stared up at her. Forgetta did what she always did. She beamed at the green frog, and he was instantly charmed by her. Then she reached out to touch him, and he stammered shyly, asking, What are you doing? I'm trying to get some of your slime, she answered. Why? asked the frog. I need it to stop the rice stalks from turning black, replied Forgetta. 
The frog knew instantly what she was speaking about. It's not my slime you want. It's the slime of a blue frog. But you must hurry. You won't find one here past sunrise. Forgetta looked at all the strings tied on her finger, and suddenly she remembered the blue frog. She started to think about everything else she was forgetting, but she didn't have time. The sun had risen just a little higher. How? she asked the green frog. He studied her for just a moment, and then he said, Follow me. Forgetta followed him through the sea of red lotus as he hopped from lily pad to lily pad around the blooming lotuses. Then he stopped and sat perfectly still. So Forgetta did too. She watched his eyes as they grew. They got huge and started to scan the surroundings with 360-degree vision. Forgetta was mesmerized by the little green frog. There was nothing he couldn't see, and he didn't have to move a muscle. His big, buggy eyes zoned in on a red lotus to her left. Forgetta turned and saw a tiny blue frog sitting on the lotus. The moment she spotted him, he spotted her. Their eyes locked for just a second, and the little blue frog was about to turn and disappear under the lily pad when Forgetta smiled. She aimed her million-dollar smile right at the little blue frog, and he couldn't resist. He smiled back. May I have some slime off your back? asked Forgetta in her most coquettish voice. The little blue frog turned his back to her and nodded. Forgetta reached out and covered her hand with gooey slime, and the little blue frog disappeared under the water as the sun shoved itself high into the sky. The green frog watched in amazement. He had never seen anything like it. Forgetta looked down at her hands. One had fingers covered in string, and the other had a hand covered in slime. What next? What next? She said aloud. The green frog looked at her and said, I think you need to head back to the rice terraces and don't touch anything along the way. Yes, yes, that is it, exclaimed Forgetta as she stared at her fingers again. I must be missing something, she said aloud. You need to get going, urged the green frog. Legends say you must be there by noon today. Forgetta thanked the green frog and headed back through the sea of red lotus towards the rice terraces. She watched in awe as the lotuses started to close up. She hopped from lily pad to lily pad until she landed on the shore of the lake. Then she headed south as quickly as she could towards the rice terraces. In her haste, she tripped and fell and her slimy hand came within inches of the ground. Forgetta stopped it from touching just in time. She continued on and tripped and fell again, narrowly missing, smashing her hand to the ground. I'm so tired, she sighed as she looked at the sky above. Noon would soon be here. That's it. I almost forgot Ponto, said Forgetta as she looked at her fingers. Paying a visit to Ponto 
on her return to the rice paddies was one of the things she had to remember. She steered off course in the direction of Ponto's Marsh, and there he was awaiting her, looking very elegant as he stood among the tall reeds. Ponto looked at her and smiled, and then he reached out and picked her up by the scruff of her neck. She had remembered to visit him, and this was her reward. Ponto flew her all the way to his cousin Panit, who was waiting at the blackened rice paddies. The first rice terrace had turned almost completely black. Come quick, called out Panit as he saw them approaching. There is one stalk left that hasn't turned black on this terrace. Slime it now. Ponto dropped Forgetta right in front of the only corn-colored rice stalk on the first terrace. She reached up with her tiny slimy hand and smeared it. Then she looked at Ponto and Panit in a moment of silence. They all turned to look at the rice stalks and watched as one by one, the stalks turned back to their corn color and the black disappeared. Forgetta looked down at her hand and all the slime was gone. In its place was a fuchsia colored string tied around her pinky finger. She beamed a final smile at Panit and Ponto, and then she pulled on the fuchsia string and felt herself spinning so quickly that she couldn't see. When she finally stopped, she was standing beneath the rain cloud in Goop World. She looked around for Pusham to tell him all about the Sea of Red Lotus, but he was nowhere to be found. He was frozen in Siberia, but that is a tale for another time. Okay, so that was it for this episode of Goop Tales. I hope you enjoyed the trip to Thailand and the Sea of Red Lotus. And thank you again, Dexter, for such a great idea. So as you heard in this episode, the next one is gonna be Pushem. You're gonna read all about Pushem in, or listen, I should say. Actually, I'm working on getting some books made. Wouldn't that be fun? If you'd love to see some actual books made, I would love to hear from you. Write me in at maria at gooptales.com because it's a project that I'm actually working on. But you will be able to listen to Pushem and he will be in Siberia. So that will be the next Gooptail. Until then, you can leave a review on iTunes. You can get a Gooptails t-shirt at shop.gooptails.com. You can follow Gooptails on Instagram where you can see photos of the Sea of Red Lotus and so many of the other Gooptails photos. And that is what I have for you. I'm looking at my list of things and just thanks for so many great reviews on iTunes. I love reading them and writing me in. I have several of you that have written in some really great goop names and I'm gonna write you back emails thanking you for those and those are gonna go on my list too. So we'll see who gets selected after um, Pusham. You know what, I get a lot of girl goop names Send me some boy goop names too, because I like to, you know, have the same amount, boys and girls. So until the next time, make every day a goop day. <laughs>